Caution. Learning in progress. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Smarter Every Season. My name is Tyler Hubert. Our goal on this podcast is to bring in content experts from across the precision planning business in hopes of really making ourselves and our listeners smarter every season. So before we dive into that today, let's go around the table because I've, I've got a full house in the podcast room, which before anybody gets excited, that's four people. That's our maximum. Um, myself, to my left across the table, back for time number two, is Dave Robinson. Hello, Tyler. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Cat a corner from me, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it so that when I screw it up later, it's not embarrassing. I'm going to try not to call you Jordan Craft. It's probably <laughs> going to slip out. She is actually Jordan Nelson. Yes. Well, I will answer to both. Okay. <laughs> and actually, this is a good opportunity. This is your first time being on the podcast. Can you, who are you? How did you come to Precision? Give us a little bit of a rundown of who Jordan is. Yes. So I started a little over three years ago. Um, I was fresh out of college. I had worked at um, an insurance place for about six months, decided that was not for me. Um, Saw this job opening come up and was an SSA for a few years. Now I'm sales support lead and it's been a great experience. Everyone here has been awesome. Cool. Thank you very much. Hans, nobody... Nobody really cares. At Nobody this really point. cares at this point who I am. <laughs> we all know, we all know you pretty well at this point. So before, shortly before we come on, we were just talking about as as we record this, we're a day after, um, basically daylight savings. So we all lost an hour. So we kind of went around the table and we're talking about well, what did everybody do yesterday? This is kind of how we warm up a little bit. We adjust our microphone levels. Pretty much seems to me like everybody was pretty lazy yesterday. I think the lost hour kind of caught up on everybody. Is that the general yeah, well, consensus we got to? Yeah, I was lazy in the morning, but then I was I was actually coming back from a vacation trip to Florida for a farm show as well. And so I got home late last night, and then there, it really hit this morning as far as being lazy this morning. I did not want to get out of bed this morning. I But, Dave, you mentioned you were still feeling it today. Yeah, today was definitely harder than yesterday, uh, getting out of bed. Definitely, uh, definitely not a fan of spring forward. Jordan, not a lot of activity in your house? No, not much, but I am looking forward to the sunlight being later in the day now. <laughs> I agree with you. That's yes. legit. We went to, you know, we had a meeting last night at 6 o'clock at our church, and actually leaving home at, at about quarter to 6, I told my wife, I'm like, look, look at this. The sun is still out. This is fantastic. Yeah, we need, uh, we've got a 2-year-old and a 4-year-old, and we need them back outside. <laughs> burning off. Get burning the energy out before bed. Yeah, that's right. All right, Hans, I'm going to try and fill in some details here to give a little background before we jump into today's episode, because we're going to talk about listening, but I got to, I got to explain where this is coming from. So last year, about this time, you and I, Paul Harms, Nolan Kitterman had an episode that we titled asking better questions. And I am really elated by the response we got from that. Um, I mean, a lot of you know folks internally, folks on the engineering team, dealers reached out saying how much they really enjoyed that episode. Um, there was absolutely an application in what we talked about there to spring, but it it amazed me how many people had a takeaway that they took back to their personal life in asking better questions. It was very much that feeling of it's more than just spring. Yes. Yeah. So in that episode, you mentioned you or Paul right off in the first five or 10 minutes, I feel like, which by the way, if anybody wants to go and listen to that, it's episode 39. 
still would be very applicable as we head into spring. I'd highly recommend it. You mentioned active listening. And then it kind of gets tabled. And we go into asking better questions, right? So I think that's a really worthwhile topic, or, or you had kind of thought that's a really worthwhile topic for us to have an episode on as we head into spring now. Well, what is active listening? Let's unpack that a little. Yeah, there's every, there's like that moment when we got done with that episode, someone turned around and asked, like, what's the next episode going to be? If we do this something like this again, what's the next one I said? And I, I immediately said, well, if it's asking better questions, this one it's probably better listening. Yep. And then as, that, as soon as I said it, I instantly regretted it because I feel like that was going to be my episode to come up with the next time around. So that was you signing up for this I episode. I immediately <laughs> signed myself up for something that I didn't really want to go through. <laughs> so I hope that what happens here is I, I feel like there's a lot of ways this conversation – on active listening and asking better questions tie in together. So if I can do a decent job as a host, hopefully everybody who goes back and listens to that episode will see the connection. But with that, we're going to go ahead and dive in and talk a little bit about active listening and how that can help us in our day-to-day jobs, but especially coming up for this spring planting season. So here's what I want to start out with, a question for everybody. Explain to me, how is listening different from hearing? Dave, I think we just, we actually mentioned this over the lunch table today. We were sitting at the table, um, and there was another conversation going on behind us. And Dave and I were, were listening. And I'm not exactly 100% sure I, I know what was said at the table, but both Dave and I looked at each other. It's like, I don't know what the rest of the context was of that conversation, but hearing one word out of that conversation uh, made you really question what was being what was going on at the previous table. And I said, that's a very good example of the difference between hearing. I can hear a lot of things. Um I, I mean, I think of my kids at home and, and everything. I can hear a lot of things. I can hear the kids playing downstairs. Um, but I'm not necessarily listening to what's going on. I hear toys. I hear shouting. I hear all the things. But I don't fully comprehend what's being. And all of a sudden, I hear something. I was like, hey, wait a minute. My ears picked up. What's going on down there? I heard one thing. And all of a sudden, you intently start to hear and listen to what's being said. And there's a the difference between I can hear things and not really take it in what's being, what's happening. I just hear noise. And then there's, I listen and I can actually fully understand what's, what's being said. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, hearing is really a passive thing that happens. It's something that is just going on. You're not giving any thought to, and then when something engages your mind, then the hearing becomes listening. We hear a lot of music. Yeah. We listen intently to very little of our music. Dave, you hit on an excellent point, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm trying to get at here, is there's active listening and passive listening. Passive is really more, I hear, but I'm not engaged. That was a really good word mm-hmm. that I thought you used. So we are obviously talking more about the active side of things today. Why do I care about being a good active listener? Why is that important to our business this time of year? Really year-round, but especially this time of year as we go into planting season. Yeah, I think the the difference between passively hearing and and actively listening really uh, just on a human level comes down to, do you care about what's, what the noise is Uh, just passively listening? You don't really care what's going on. You don't really care what's being said, but, but when you care about what's being said, that's when your brain engages. That's when you're, you're actively, actively listening and and participating. And that's, uh, you know, from a, from a business perspective, as we're dealing with questions that dealers have, whether that's in a sales support role or a product support role or a dealer technician role, um, we need to engage and not just hear the noise, but, but actually be involved in, uh, in, as we've titled this active listening. Yeah. It's a, it's a key piece of, I mean, one is this 
you're hearing the, what's what's being asked of you. You're hearing the, the key piece. And so the details, the, the, the minute details of stuff that's being presented to you from a dealership or from the customer, from, um, from other in, in support, are you trying to understand what they're, what they're actually communicating or are you too busy with what you're doing, with, with what you're doing? That's the, the why piece of it that I'm truly care about the person on the other end that's, that's asking questions. I'm trying to understand what it is that they're doing. Yeah, I, I completely agree, especially our job is based around customer service and being able to take action on what you're hearing and listening from um, the dealers. I think it's important to accommodate them and try to make it whatever they need happen. I agree. And I think what we're ultimately getting to here is there is a relational element to this, right? Hearing what they need and hearing what they say are important. Um, because again, that can help build the relationship and Jordan, as you just said, we're in a customer service business. So we do have a role in this in, in solving problems and helping out. So that's kind of how I split up this conversation. The more I think about active listening, I kind of split it into, into two buckets. I can, I can be a better listener and an act or an active listener to solve a problem, right? The, the person calling me needs help or has a problem. I want to get the details right. There's also an emotional element to this. And I'm going to get into that, but I want to start with the problem-solving side of being an active listener. So the question that I have here for everyone is, what listening skills do you need or recommend to be a good problem-solver or to serve someone? I feel like when I'm on the phone, I kind of interact like I were in person. I still try to, you know, give, uh, like, affirmation words and... um, different hand motions, even though they can't see it, just <laughs> if, uh, I'm, I try to make it as conversational as I can ask clarifying questions and really try to let them get their answers out all the way. Um, so that way, if there is an underlying issue that needs to be solved, you are listening to completely to what they're needing. What do you mean when you say affirmation words? Why do you do that? Um, just like, yes, I agree. Or just to make sure that they know that I am still there. I'm listening and to continue on with whatever they are needing to get out. That's, I mean, that's what you're describing is one of the challenges that we face within the phone system or dealing across the phone is we're trying to connect with them and let them, uh, I read an article somewhere, I'm not sure where it is now, but it's like 70% of communication is actually nonverbal um, type of communication. And when you're on the phone, that's really hard. And Dave's over here smiling because my hands are both like jumping all over the place, even though it's a podcast. <laughs> so uh, the very thing that we're talking about is that it's the, you're trying to create that nonverbal cue or the, the nonverbal cue or the non-speaking aspect of, of listening um, and trying to, to pick up on those cues for them. And so you're trying to communicate that, communicate that back to them that, yes, I'm still listening. I'm still picking up everything that, that's going on or that you're saying. So, yeah, I think that's where, I mean, where you're coming from is the, the context of you're letting them know that you're still here and you're actively listening to them even though they can't see you. And another piece of that, I think, is, is in behaving as though you're with them instead of over the phone. Like there are things we're tempted to do when we're talking to someone on the phone that we would never do when we were in front of them. If somebody's standing there talking to us, we're not scrolling on our phone while they're while they're talking to us and explaining their problem. We're not doing three other emails or checking two other things. But over the phone, it is so easy to try to multitask. And we, I think we tell ourselves it's more efficient if we multitask or I can do this better if I'm doing three things at once while I'm while I'm talking to the person on the phone. But in the end, that comes across. 
it's you you can tell that the person on the other end is doing multiple things and uh and so a a big part of listening in my mind uh just from a uh, a tactical level is just removing distractions getting rid of the things that that you wouldn't be doing if you were if you were sitting across the table from them or standing next to the planter with them or in the shop together uh and really and really focusing on what's being said just like you would if you were in person yeah, I think, and then go along with that. One of the things that I think is a key piece of, of, uh, of listening and and getting the facts. We're trying to get that fact. We're trying to solve their their problem and making sure that we get the exact piece of what they're describing correct. A lot of times, they'll they might be using a word differently than what we're used to, um, and so re- getting it back to them. It's like, hey, you said this. I'm not sure I understand that piece. Is that, are you saying it's this specific component or this component that you're seeing this problem with or whatever it is that you're getting that exact, repeating back to them a little bit of what it is that you, um, of what is it that they they said, making sure that you're on the same page that they are. Yeah, I think it's important to call out too. At this point, when we're kind of thinking along the lines of solving a problem, accuracy is a big piece of it. Accuracy is a big piece of it. We don't want to miss any of of the details. Um, and I think that's a really good piece of this too, is I'm going to repeat back to you what you just said to make sure that we're on the same page with the details. And you've coached me on this before too, that a key piece of this is you're not repeating back what you internalize as a listener, Correct. repeat back what they said. Yes. Cause what happens a lot of times when you repeat back what you, if you try to summarize it and repeat it back to what you, what you internalized, you've made the, you're not repeating back the information you've changed everything and now you're repeating back to them what you think they should have said or what they actually i mean it then becomes more about what you repeated back not what they said to begin with and your goal in listening is to fully understand what it was that they said so repeating back as close to what the words that they use as possible and then maybe ask a clarifying question on the back side of that and saying you said this this is what i heard you say i don't understand that piece is it this or this these are the two things the way i way I would look at it or, or however you want to do that. But re- making, being careful to repeat back that you're not, um, you're not trying to summarize it and make it about your perception of them. It's this is what they said on the, on the front side. These are all really good. And it's made me, Jordan, thank you. Hughes, you've made us all a lot more cognizant of like, there are a lot of hand gestures flying around <laughs> here that nobody, that nobody can see on the, on the backside and it's listening to this. Uh, so there have been some really good ones called out. We're going to repeat back is a sign of a good active listener, Right. Um, I think Dave, what you kind of hit on was, was minimizing distractions, right? I want to make sure that we cover as many as we have written down because everybody here has come prepared with notes, which is awesome. What else? Are there any other like good habits of active listeners? I think one of the things I have written down here, and I'm just going to go on both places of our kind of the emotional side and the fact side of it, but the listening to respond versus listening to understand our brains think far faster than what our, than what, um, someone can speak or what we can speak. And so a lot of times we start thinking about, we're waiting for them to finish asking their question or making their question so that we can turn around and give them the answer to it. And that generally leads us to missing key details that they're actually still talking about in their question. Um, And so listen to understand what they're saying and not to, I want to respond right away to this. I want to, I want to listen to hear them all the way through the end of the, of the question that they're asking before I respond. And quite frankly, your brain will work fast enough that you, once you hear the question, you can still come up with the answer to respond back to them fairly quickly. 
is, is there anything else that anybody uses to, to make sure they don't do or things that maybe you've even been in a conversation before and seen somebody do where it's just like, I, this person is not paying attention to a word I'm saying. I think I try to avoid interrupting. It's something that I'm working on. I'm not great at it, but it kind of goes along with what Hans is saying is let them get out their full thought before you ch- you start trying to solve whatever issues because we're all problem solvers. We want to, you know, fix the issue as quickly as possible, but sometimes you need to listen more than you're trying to talk so that you understand the whole situation clearly. There's the old adage about two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we speak, and there's a, there's a lot of truth uh, in that. And the re- part of the reason we listen to the end is because uh, sometimes the way a conversation or a thought starts off, if we just go by the first couple of sentences of the paragraph, we're going to go one direction with it, but by the time we get to the end, there's, a, there's actually a, sometimes a totally different issue that's actually at the foundation of the problem that we don't get to until they've kind of gotten through their description of the issue. And if we jump too quickly to solve the first couple of sentences of their, of their paragraph, we're going we're gonna to miss the actual underlying problem. And there was a, there was a time, it's probably been 12 or 13 years ago now, of a customer who called in and was just very upset with our uh, software download process, the fact that he had to update software on his, uh, back then it was a Gen 1 2020, it was the height of technology. And uh, and in listening to that, I had all kinds of thoughts in my head of, of what, what you know, he needed to change in his thinking or how things needed to uh, to maybe be different. And, and really what it came down to in the end was he didn't have internet at home. And that was the underlying problem. The underlying problem wasn't so much that you know, software had to be updated. It was that he didn't know how to do it because he didn't have internet at home. And so solving that problem was the problem that ultimately took care of it. It wasn't convincing him that, no, you need to update your software. He actually got that. It was just... It was the process. It was the process that that he... And I really had to listen to the end of his... um, of his explanation before I really kind of got to that... to that heart of the problem. And that was a... That was a good learning experience for me. I think what goes along with that is then in, is one of the quotes I, I came across in this process from uh, Dawson Trotman. I'm not sure who the individual is, um, but just give him credit where he, his statement was. Thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass over their lips or through their fingertips. And when you let that conversation, that question fully get expressed, by the end of that that question, they will have fully thought out through their process and gotten the the question fully formulated to you. If you listen to the front half of it, you probably only got half of the question. Whereas if you let them finish the question, you'll fully understand. Um, they're still sorting that question out as they, as they give you the question. So I think with that, we're already kind of pushing into the emotional intelligence side of this conversation. Hans, you alluded to it earlier. Uh, what was the statistic you gave that 70% of communication is nonverbal? I believe that's where it was. Something like that. Yeah. So most of what we do through the day is over the phone. So this becomes a challenge. And I think our our dealers are out in person often with customers, but we often hear how many phone calls that our dealers take through the day too. So a lot of the communication that we have in the springtime is over the phone. So my question is, if nonverbal cues are so important to good listening, what do you guys try to be aware of those nonverbal cues when you're not in person? Yeah, that's a that's a real tough challenge. I think um, there's a couple things that I normally pick up on 
um, if you if you've heard the the we've talked to the person before several times, you kind of know their cadence and how they speak and kind of just what it is that they're. So one of the things that I listen for, um, or kinda, I try to pick up on is what is the cadence of the individual that's that's speaking. Are they are they sounding rushed and just trying to blow through the conversation? Because that's it's a verbal piece of it, but it's the um, it's not the words that they're speaking. It's 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 how they're saying it. So the tone and the and the 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 rate at which they're they're throwing questions at us. Someone's you can normally tell when someone's a little bit frazzled and they're just throwing stuff at the wall, um, just kind of unloading a, a load of question. And that conversation, you know, you got more than just a fact finding tour. You got something else that this this individual's in kind of a higher higher pressure situation, and you're dealing with more than just uh, finding facts at that point. Jordan, is there anything you try to be aware of to sense if somebody is uncomfortable in a phone call? Yeah, I, I'm kind of going along with Hans. You can kind of tell when um, someone's hesitating or if there's, you know, if it's an ongoing issue, there's, it gets frustrating because they want to get it solved. So it's just important to keep asking questions to kind of get to the bottom of it. Um, and then, like I've said earlier, just making sure that they get uh, everything out so that way you know what problem you need to be solving. Hans, you brought up some really good points around hesitancy, um, tone, cadence being a part of this. So when I do sense those things, um, Jordan, I think you kind of alluded to it in your answer. How do I respond? You started to talk a little bit about like continuing to ask questions. When I sense your discomfort not necessarily just letting it go but continuing to try to maybe pry is not the right word but I want to go to unpack somewhere Josh Stoller is listening to this podcast and he is just dying because he gives me a hard time about how often I try to unpack things (laughs) I'm an unpacker how much do you travel (laughs) not not enough to justify the use of that word Um, but continuing to yeah kind of pry into things of, of you know I can sense you're hesitant what concerns do you have about what we've what we've just laid out? Or maybe it's it's even what else can I help you with? And if they're not past that, they're gonna kind of bring it back up. So those are my thoughts, but let me actually ask this as a question. Um, when you do pick up on those things, hesitancy, change in tone, things of that nature, how do you respond? Yeah, I think one of the things that for me, the way I, I think of it is if you can hear that hesitancy. Sometimes it, it it lends me to ask to start wondering like if I've responded to somebody and I or I hear hesitancy from their from their side, it sounds like they probably still have another question. Um, so asking them to explain, okay, what else is the next thing? Or if it's been after like I've you've they've asked a question and I've given a response and they still don't seem real sure what my response was, then the question I would would like to ask, okay, what am I missing that you're talking like something that we've misconnected somewhere? Um, is there something that that I miss in your conversation and your questions that leads you to think that this solution isn't going to work. Is there something that you're, is there something else that you, that you're missing that I've missed in the communication side? Um, that's kind of what I he, what I try to approach it from that point. When I hear that hesitancy, it generally means that something has been, that they're thinking something that I haven't heard yet. So either I missed it or they didn't state it. And it's more another question then of how do I draw that piece out of what's causing their hesitancy to, either not like the solution I've given them or something related to, or, or whatever the, the, the issue is. There's something they're unsure of. How do I draw, maybe ask a question from a, from 
a, a slightly different approach to it and see if that draws out more information from them. I think it's important once you do figure out what the underlying issue or cause is, is to make sure you're following up and making sure that it did get solved all the way. Um, because, I mean, it's just going to continue happening each time they call in or talk to you when, if you, it's not completely solved. I think that's a great point. And I think that's especially true in our world, Hans, because I think a lot of times you, me, and Dave, if we're talking to a customer trying to solve a problem, there may be times they don't have a tool with them to solve a problem. And so we're at a point in the conversation where we have to ask them, you need to track down this tool. But I think there's a level of concern or hesitancy that they don't want to let us off the phone over maybe a concern of like, well, how am I going to get you back? Like, am I going to have to start over brand new with somebody else? A dealer may not face this problem, right? Usually you've got one to two technicians support. Maybe there's 20 different people you could call in and talk to. But I think it is good also to be cognizant of, you know, maybe even for a dealer, that guy goes back into a, a queue, right? Or, or a lineup of people of, I need you to go grab this tool while I burn through these other 20 calls. And it may be four hours before I get back to you. Maybe that's the concern in the grower's mind that they don't want to let you go because like, well, if I get back here with this tool in 30 minutes, how am I going to get a hold of you again to keep, keep moving, moving this? Th I got to keep this thing moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I think what you alluded to, Jordan, is great of like a, what is the path to follow up? What is the next step? And what you, I think what you're creating with that is that you're, you're identifying some customer will be fine. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, I know where that is. I can go get a tool. I'll take care of that. And if I get stuck, I'll give you a call back. But until then I'm good to go. Some of them, their hesitancy is going to be, I need to know, like you kind of had to tease out what part of their hesitancy are you, are you, is there, is causing it? Is it, is it the process of, of doing the work? Is it the, um, the hesitancy of, I need, I'm going to need more help. Can you get, how do I get, get connected with you? And so trying to pull that out and saying, okay, it's going to be, uh, go get this. It's probably you. How long is it going to take you? It's going to be 30 minutes. Okay. I'll try and make sure that I'm available around 30 to 40 minutes later from now. And I'll make sure I give you that call back to take care of what it is. But you're, you're trying to, uh, to identify their, their concern is what you're, as you're listening, it's not asking better questions necessarily. As we go back to our episode last, last year, it's identifying the, their hesitancy with what they're doing. How do you, how do you put them at ease with your listening skills to know what piece of it is, is causing them not to be, be comfortable? And sometimes the unease I think comes from the fact that if it's the, you know, the 5th of May and one of us has been taking 50 calls a day for three weeks, we're deep, our, our, our heads are deep into operations and troubleshooting. But if it's that farmer's first day in the field, like we have to be able to identify, are they, are they actually following along with us because they haven't used this in 10 and a half months? Um, and, and so being able to, to listen to that hesitancy and also to understand, is it, is it because they're, they're afraid it won't work or is it because they haven't followed what we've said because we haven't effectively laid the groundwork for what we're asking them uh, to do? Um, we need, we need to, to be able to ask the right questions and continue to listen to the answers to understand really what is that, that underlying cause of, of hesitancy. And it can also be the fact that we didn't communicate very well what we wanted to do, not recognizing where they're at in their season relative to where we're at in, in our season. We've thrown out some big numbers of phone calls that I guess our group takes in the day that I'm sure our dealers take in the day. I think 
what you're alluding to a little bit there too, Dave, is that the desire is to want to probably pull toward I slam through X amount of calls today, or it's I'm on the phone with you. Meanwhile, my phone has rang three, four, five, half a dozen other times that I've got to move through this call quickly so that I can get on to the next one. And even when that is rightly motivated, like you're not necessarily have some number of calls you're trying to get to, but you know you have customers that need your help and you want to get on to that next person that needs your help as quickly as possible. It's easy to kind of get ahead of yourself and not take the time to make sure that this issue is fully explained, fully dealt with, fully understood before you before you move on. And sometimes, like Hans was just talking about, sometimes it's you've got to give them something to go do and then make yourself available again to follow up. But you got to make sure that because of your listening, you're able to really get to the to the heart of it and not be uh, so quick to get on to the next to the next customer to help the next person that you don't actually help the person you're talking to now. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about um, preparations for listening, like being a good listener, like some of the things we do, and just it, it's I had it written down somewhere with it, but you're um, you are mentally preparing yourself to be available for this conversation for this individual, for this issue that's currently on the phone. You're 100% available for this this conversation. You need to listen to this conversation, not the 10 that are coming, but this conversation. Um, even though you've heard 50 conversations earlier today around X things, this person still deserves to be listened to as much as the first 50 that we listened to today. Um, and that's a challenge. That's, I, I mean... We're all doing that, but that's a, that's a challenge. And whether it's the grower that's been with you from the beginning or a brand-new grower or whether it's your wife or whoever it is, that, that conversation is, is being asked of you. And if it's if you're not capable of doing that, you owe them the, uh, the courtesy of saying, hey, I'm not up for this conversation. We need to at least give me some grace here. I need to take a moment to either get ready for it or can we have this conversation in a little bit another time. So that's going. That's kind of going off of but your comment about um, where they're at in their conversation versus where you're at, and the reminder is that you still need to be prepared for this conversation, for this to listen to this individual. I think there's a big element of this that is trust. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that listening, hearing them on the emotional side of things, builds trust. You have a really good quote that I want. You yes. to read. Yep. Because um, you're talking about trust here, and I think this is where we're, where you're going. But um, so this is actually from uh, from James Dobson, um, and he just made the comment: um, for some strange reason, human beings tolerate stress and pressure much more easily if at least one other person knows that they are enduring it. If you know one other person is walking, or at least can identify that you've you've been through something that you're going through something stressful. It makes it easier for you to go through it if you know one other person is there with you or at least has identified that with you. Um, and that's that's the challenge as we as we answer the phone calls, um, we're taking that we're, we're listening to them. If we can create the empathy of understanding where they're at um, and understanding why they're they're frustrated and why they're they and we they can unload that piece of it, then we can get back to trying to solve the problem, the factual piece that's actually causing a problem, but getting them to the point of being able to listen to the um, to their stress that they're going through and creating that empathy for them makes a big difference in actually resolving the issue. So Hans, you hit on something that I think 
I'd like to dive a little deeper into is everybody has the way that I, the phrase that I love to have, love to hear is take a chewing. <laughs> everybody has taken a chewing. You know what I mean? Yep. That, that you've had that grower that is just upset. How do I work through that as either a product support member or as a dealer when that customer is just mad and yelling, what do I do? How do I handle that? Yeah. And I think to some of, to some degree, it, it makes a difference where their anger is, is directed because when it's just sort of generic, it's a little bit easier to manage that, especially earlier in your day before you get, get kind of tired. But when it's directed at you personally, that's when it, for a lot of us, it gets really hard to, 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 uh, to react well. And I know for me, I am not listening well when I am responding in anger to someone else who is behaving towards me in anger. And so really controlling your own emotions first is the, is the, the biggest step to that. And, and being in a place where, um, where you don't respond to their anger with annoyance or you don't respond to their anger with firing back. And even if you hold it in, and don't actually say those things, if that's what's filling your head, um, then you're not listening anymore. You're not actually listening to, to help them get to the, get to the problem. And so, so this, this idea of controlling your own emotions first is a, is a huge aspect to being able to, um, to get to the bottom of some of these, these thornier issues with, uh, with people that get quite upset. And unfortunately, there's no button you can press that all of a sudden, I'm going to deal, you know, well with my own emotions and not respond. And that's a, that's a longer term process of work and, and really good listening through emotional circumstances, which your planter being down in the middle of a very narrow planting window can be a very emotionally grueling time for a, for a customer. The things you need for that are the things you need for so much else in life. And it's patience and sympathy and humility. And those aren't things that you can just just turn on, uh, having never worked on, but, uh, but developing within yourself, um, uh, just a, an attitude of patience and humility and sympathy for people in need. That's, that's what's going to prepare you for those moments when people are, um, whether, whether in, in business or in family or in community or whatever, when emotion is being directed at you and anger or annoyance or frustration is being directed at you, um, Having that patience, sympathy, and humility is what's going to help you not respond in kind, but rather be able to continue to focus on working the problem, not the person. And that's a that's a that's a I think a really important phrase for us is to work the problem, not the person. And when you're mentioning problem, that's not necessarily a factual problem. That's the problem of the situation that he's working with as a whole. Correct? It for sure can be, yeah. Like it's not just a factual problem that you're chasing. It's mm-hmm. a, it's it's the situation of the customer and his environment and what's going on. There is a factual thing that you need to take care of, mm-hmm. but it's more than just that. Yep, Dave. But what you described is really hard to do when it's May twentieth, and I am tired and exhausted. And yeah. I think I'm stealing Tyler's thunder here a little bit, but um, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually want to kick this question over to Jordan because we're we're kind of in a, in a phase right now where the SSA team is going to kind of hand off to product support. You're in what essentially is your, your busy season right now, uh, your team. How do I maintain or still be a good listener when I'm mentally drained? I've just gone through a ton of calls. It can be long days. You guys are taking a lot of ordering calls right now. 
how do you do that? Do, do you have anything that you try to keep in mind when you're just mentally drained yeah. and another phone call comes in? Yes. Um, I think it's important to keep the why at the forefront. Um, everyone is trying to do their best. They're wanting to get installs done, wanting to get their parts. Um, it's challenging and stressful for everyone. Um, so you just kind of have to make sure you're empathetic toward that. Um, and then for us responding, I think it's important to be as honest as possible, even if it's not the answer that they want to hear. Um, they need to, you need to set the expectation so that way um, there's not more frustration that builds up because the expectations weren't set properly. So um, just making sure you stay calm and um, just continue to do your best. Dave and Hans. I mean, I, th- I think I have to echo where, where Jordan's at. you got to remember, one, why are you taking the phone call to begin with? You're still there helping the customer. Your customer's still the end person. And so even though you're exhausted and you're you're tired, you're still in that main, um, the customer's still why we pick the phone up. Um, and so, and it, it's the, this person needs help just as much as the first guy I talked to. Um, and then just kind of mentally thinking, in my mind, I had to, I, there's, there comes a point later in the season where I have to keep reminding myself to to slow the process down a little bit. Um, after taking phone calls for for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks on on end, you get to where you kind of want to shortcut this, the conversation because you already you heard this question two weeks ago. You already know what the answer is to it, but that person still needs the 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 time of of hearing the question. So I think um, in my mind, it's it's reminding myself to slow down. It's still the same person. You still have to take a step back and, and slow it down a little bit. And that, that helps, um, in my mind, that helps with, with the draining aspect of it is that you don't have to move at breakneck speed. Um, slow the conversation down a little bit. And I think, too, as we, as we look back at, at uh, you know, culture conversations that we've had on previous episodes going all the way back to the beginning, um, the fact that we recognize that we're a team and that we succeed and fail as a team uh, is important. And when it when it comes down to it, the team is not just the people in our department or in our business, and it's not even just our, our dealers. It's also all of our end-user customers. We all succeed and fail together. Uh, and our motivation, uh, we talk about the farmer being the hero of our story. We want, we want our customers to succeed because in the end, that's the only way that we'll succeed. And as we as we remind ourselves that we're on the same team with the person on the other end of the phone, and that their success is our success, that can help to motivate us through those those uh, long days, the long weeks, the long season, uh, sometimes. And uh, and from a you know whether that's from a, a internal precision planting perspective or from a dealership perspective, um, we are all working towards the same the same end and that's what motivates us to take the next call or make the next field visit or answer the next text so i want to ask this question this may be a little bit corny but it was rather convicting to me and so i'm going to ask this group i I will say too that so much of the asking better questions the things that i really liked in the responses that we got both internally and from from dealer network um, were how much it applied to life even outside of planter diagnostics. 
and I'm I'm hoping that this question kind of does the same because it did for me. Are you a better listener at work or at home? Can I plead the fifth? <laughs> no. Uh, you can, but by your response, I think you've answered the question. Um, I would say probably during the during the most part of the 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 day, most of the questions I would probably say I listen. There's less distractions at work a lot of times, so I think I listen better at work. Um, and to be quite honest, I'm a I'm a human being, and I'm generally more concerned about myself, and my own selfish desires, and so at home. I normally have tried to turn off other things, and it's it's the people that we love the most are the people that generally see the worst side of us, um, and that's probably what happens as much as anything is that at home it's it's easier to say, well, they can understand I'm trying to do something, and the the, the I, I'm really guilty of doing multiple things at at home, trying to work on something and listen to my wife or listen to the kids or or take that time, and so that's probably the biggest challenge is that I'm not exceptionally gifted at. Um, I don't multitask, and so listening doesn't doesn't work well at home when I try to do that. <laughs> she 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 has repeatedly in the last couple uh, couple of weeks, especially, she has made the comments like you're an, and she'll be talking, and all of a sudden, she said, and you're not listening. <laughs> and it's true, I wasn't. I was doing something. I was not listening at all. Jordan, same question to you: Are you a better listener at home or at work? I would have to agree with Hans. It's at work. There's definitely less distractions. I feel like um, there's a clear goal in mind at work. So you have something more to work toward. I feel like when you're at home, there's distractions, you're more comfortable. So it's easier to let those sort of things kind of slip through the cracks instead of listening like you should. (laughs) Dave? Yeah, I'm, I, I think we all are landing in the same place. Um, but I think there's a there's another nuance to it that I would add, and it's just that we've talked about that it gets harder the tireder we get, right? And what does our family get? They get my 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th hour of the day, not my first, second, third, except on the weekends. And so I do feel like at the beginning of the day, even on a Saturday or a Sunday, I'm a better listener with my family than I am at 9 and 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday or a Sunday. And so um, it does take extra effort to remember uh, that uh, just like with a new phone call, uh, we want to give our full attention to that new phone call. Like this is, this is really my first interaction with my kids or this is my first interaction with my wife. It might be the 15th or 16th hour of my day, but I need to, I need to approach that not as a, I can get away with not listening, but oh man, do I want to get away with not listening? <laughs> and it's getting harder. I mean, I'm a little bit farther along than than the others of you that are parents. I've got a 15-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, and uh, there's a lot of listening required to really understand what's going on there. So uh, you can't get away with it like you used to. Yeah, I will go ahead and answer the question too and just say I'm a much better listener probably at work. And the convicting part for me, and I, I hope what everybody kind of takes away. And again, this might be a little bit corny, but it's just don't forget about your spouse. Yeah, it's it's, and I think what it is, it goes so much to it is like it's the we are we are often so centered about our own what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And when I get home, I've 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 put in however many hours listening to someone else and listen to their problems. That my next step is when I get home, I want to focus on the things that I want to do, and I forget that there's five other people that care deeply that I care deeply about um, that I really need to take the time to listen to them as well. So my wife, especially she spent 
all the time that I've been at home or been at work listening to customers, she's been at home listening to the kids and trying to deal with kids that is more of a challenge than me listening to customers. And I think they're your kids. They are also right? my at kids. At that point, yes. they're your kids. Yes, they are my kids. <laughs> <laughs> you, have you been listening to my yeah, house? Whatever. <laughs> No, I've just, <laughs> I know when my kids are mine too. Yeah. Yep. All right. With that, I think it's a good opportunity for us to put a bow on this episode. Hans, you did a ton of legwork on this and, and I greatly appreciate it. If you would be so kind, I think there were takeaways on the listening to solve the problem side and listening for empathy side. What were your takeaways or what were you hoping would come through on this episode as takeaways on the, on the empathy, empathy side of things? Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think there's several things, but um, kind of one of the things that I just kind of wrote down is that and we were talking through it. So much of our, um, of our job throughout the spring and then outside of that is in dealing with our family and customers and just kind of everything all tied together is that if we can make the speaker feel truly heard by listening, if they feel like that we have li- they have we have listened to them, they're heard. Even if we can't fix the problem right then, we they know that we care about them and that they are going to trust us to get to the bottom of it. We may not be able to fix it right then, but if they feel heard by us, then they're going to more even more likely to trust us to the end and actually get a resolution for them. And that goes across the board, whether it's. Um, the customer, whether that's family. Love it. I wrote down five things that active listeners do. I can't take credit for all these or any of these uh, because I didn't say any of them. You guys did. But this was the list that I had um, that you all all had come up with. Um, active listeners will repeat back not what they internalize but what you said. Uh, minimize distractions. Um, don't rehearse your response while someone else is talking. Be deliberate, focus on this conversation, this topic, this issue, and then utilizing affirmation words to know, let them know that you're still actively listening. Jordan, you coming back again? <laughs> I don't know. You might not want me back. <laughs> she may not have an option. Not an option. All, all are welcome. All are welcome. Awesome. This, this was a ton of fun. Um, so with that, I got a few things that I want to touch on before we get out of here. Hans, I would still highly recommend one of the things that I feel like we've, we've done right in this job. Yeah. The asking better questions podcast. It was one of the, it was the, it was the one of the most fun podcasts I'd have done. And I, I went through and listened to it again, getting ready for this one again. I was like, man, there's so much of that episode that I still need to learn how to do well. Like I was yeah, a part of the conversation, but I was like, I still need to learn how to do that well, both in my job and at home. That was episode 39, asking better questions. Just so everybody is aware, as we head into probably about the last week of March, first week of April, we're going to get back into our weekly spring episodes. If you were a dealer last year or if you listened last year, what we kind of try to do there is keep those to about 15 minutes-ish no more. if we can. Right, right around there. But we're trying to bring forth any information that we have on what is driving call volume, things that uh, maybe are, are getting overlooked, things that, that we are hearing from the field that we can pass along to make our, our dealers and customers successful. So look forward to those. Those are coming up soon, probably around – first week of April timeframe. Uh, with that, I want to say thank you to everybody who is here. Hans Stetsman, Jordan Nelson, Dave Robinson for their time and thought on this topic. This was, this was a lot of fun. Right now we're going to go ahead and play our shop hack. This is Lyle Otto uh, from Plevna Implement out of Indiana. And thank you all so much for listening.
All right, I am joined now by Lyle Otto of Plevna Implement. Now, Lyle, I had to pull up the website for Plevna Implement because I kept wanting to say, or I was thinking it was Plevna Equipment. So I had the website open just so I'd get that right. But can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your dealership, where you guys are located, lines of equipment, things of that nature? Yes, thank you, Tyler. Uh, It's a family-owned business in central Indiana, um, I can't think of the amount of years right off the top of my head, but it's a full line ACO dealer, vent dealer as well. And we have a store in Kokomo, uh, Napanee and Fort Wayne. Uh, we are, have been around precision products and they are now offered on our, uh, vent momentum planners and our white planners. And, uh, we, try to service all of North central Indiana. So as a, a Fent dealer and a white planter dealer, I wanted to get your opinion when you were in for training on what you do for a shop hack. And we talked a little bit about it in the morning and unfortunately you had to leave early. So I'm glad that you were able to join me over the phone. But when I brought this up to you one morning, I thought you had some really insightful thoughts around you know, Tyler, I don't know that I have a shop hack, but I do think I have some things I'd like to pass on or maybe some hacks for training newer employees. What did you mean by that? What what are some of the things you've done with some of your newer employees to be more efficient? Well, it's no doubt that uh, we are no different than any other, any other industry or probably dealer as well uh, with help. And we do have a lot of new help and we have some very good help. Uh, the, some of them come from very different backgrounds and are not super familiar with the ag world and all the things that come with it. So training is uh, imperative, I guess I would say. One of the things that we've done here was we have tried to implement like a, like a little group, like a foreman role with a couple guys that shadow him and, uh, like tackle one project and just maybe go on calls with them and just, just observe. And the ag world is obviously very different than where some of these guys came from. And it, it really, it helps to get the overall picture of, of how everything is when it comes together. You mentioned having like one foreman. Basically kind of the way I envision that is if you have some newer guys working on a project, having one foreman gives them one point of contact. That it's efficient of rather than walking around to anybody in the dealership they can grab, they've got one point of contact that they can go to to help see them through that project. Yes, and then just, uh, I mean, one of the main things I try to do, I mean, I try to put myself in their shoes. If I went somewhere in some completely different world, I grew up in the ag world, so some of it's just second nature. But if I went somewhere else, how would I feel? You know, I would be I would be totally lost in a woodworking shop or something like that. So my focus is I try to give them the overall picture of how this is going to be when we get done. I try not to overwhelm them, but uh, 
not just take this little piece and put it here because I told you so. <laughs> this little piece, say it's a V-apply or it's a row cleaner or whatever it might be, this little piece goes here and it does this specific function. I, I think I, they're, they're doers. They can do stuff. And if they kind of understand what the purpose of this one thing is, the picture comes a little bit clearer and uh, it, it really helps to, uh, like if you understand where your hoses should be routed or what a row unit does when it goes up in the air, I just think it helps to uh, go through some of those little things uh, before you dive into too many big things. I agree. And this question might require some specifics, uh, but how? So do you, do you have an example or is it a situation of, I like to draw it on a whiteboard or we'll lay it out on the shop floor first. Is there any kind of method that you like to use on how you kind of Show them the roadmap ahead of time. All the above. Okay. I am a, I am a very visual person. <laughs> uh, liquid, uh, liquid on planters gets very complicated. Uh, I am one. I am. I personally like to draw everything out. I like to show them this is going to do what. Just another thing for an example today. Uh, I had a guy putting on a uh, via play. No, a pump stack motor and we just went over the computer got on precision's website and we watched the video together and that was extremely helpful uh, just seeing somebody else doing on a video and explaining it uh, and very good information there for them so let me try and summarize i think the two things that you kind of outlined that are really good shop hacks are a having a foreman You've got basically the, a one point of contact. If you've got a product that project, excuse me, that many new technicians are working on, and then B, you've also laid out we are more efficient if I can give them some education on what the final product looks like, or show them what we're trying to get to ahead of time. Does that seem fair? That seems very fair, Lyle. That's perfect. I want to thank you so much for your time and for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You bet. And thank you all so much for listening.